We live in an unjust world. We live in a world where any one of us, through no fault of our own, can suddenly be made to feel vulnerable, cast off, and have no means of getting redress. In short, life at times is just not fair. On the international level, I think of those refugees fleeing Ukraine because Russia has illegally invaded their nation. I think of the people forced to leave their homes this week because of rising sea levels on the islands of Panama, despite never having owned a car or burned gas. They did not cause the climate crisis, but they are suffering because of it. I think of the many millions of people who will not be able to afford to heat their homes in the UK this winter because of rising fuel costs. Life is not fair. On the more local level, I think of the young people on Isla who need regular professional mental health support but cannot get access to it. I think of those people longing for a home of their own, but they cannot afford it because supply is so limited. I think of all those who experience prejudice, either because of their gender, or their age, or their skin colour, or their physical disability. Life is not fair. On the personal level, I think about my time in the workplace, starting out as a young apprentice, being blamed for everything and only scraping through my trial period by the skin of my fingers and with none of the promised pay rise. I think of not being given a job at all because it said on my CV that I was a Christian and the interviewer couldn't get past it. Life is not Fair. And every single one of us in this room, in one way or another, will recognise this to be the case. Whether our grievance is small or whether our grievance is big, this is a very real part of our experience as human beings in the 21st century. So where do we go in these all too familiar situations? How do we Respond. What does God have to do with all of this? Is he even present? Is he even interested? Because it often doesn't feel like it, does it? Well, Jesus told a parable precisely about issues of injustice like these. A parable that tells us that God is very much concerned about our needs. A parable that has its moral hammered home right at the beginning in verse 1. In moments of injustice like these, we are to always pray and not give up. Always pray and not give up. The parable of the persistent widow is short and it's sparse of much detail. These are sure signs that when Jesus told it, the original listeners would have recognised its relevance immediately. Peasants in Galilee, living under foreign rule, absolutely knew what systematic injustice looked like. 
But let us look briefly at the two characters involved so we can understand what is really going on. The first character that we meet is a judge. An unscrupulous, unjust, unfeeling judge. He is the authority figure in the story. We don't know much about him, but we know enough to say that this judge was no pious Jew and no friend to the people. He was probably a Roman, or at best a Jew who collaborated with the Romans like the tax collectors did. But what we do know about him is that he neither feared God or cared about people. Now in his arrogance, he probably thought that his lack of care for people was a good thing, some kind of judicial impartiality. But the fact that he did not care about God is unquestionably bad. For Jews, the fear of God was the beginning of wisdom. Fear of God entailed a life trying to carefully follow his commands. But this guy couldn't care less. Foremost amongst God's commands to the Jews was for them to love and care for the poor. To look out for the needy. To help the vulnerable and oppressed in society. But this man was one of the oppressors. He acted in the very opposite way to God's commands and he didn't care a jot. So when we meet the second character in the story, a widow, and we hear that she has a complaint that she is seeking this judge's help with, we already expect her to be running into trouble. That her difficulties are going to be falling on deaf ears and that is exactly what was happening. Widows in Jesus' day were very exposed. Back then there was no state aid, no benefits, no pensions. In fact, women were so dependent upon their husbands when their spouses died, they were often left with nothing at all. No income, no means of paying taxes, no land to make money from, no property rights, because all of them were in the name of the man. A widow back then, as in many parts of the developing world still today, really had to put all of her hope in her in-laws that they would take her in. If they didn't, she was in trouble. We also need to recognise that in a patriarchal society, a woman's honour is also closely bound up with her menfolk, her husband particularly. So widows with no family were not only financially unstable, they also would have walked around with a slightly bowed head. And the reason that this is significant is that this woman had the audacity to approach a powerful judge. An act probably considered shameful at the time. But we soon realise that this is no ordinary woman. This is a remarkable courageous woman. She's not cowed by her dire situation. She is not put off by the raging social stigmas. She is not weak and she is not passive. She keeps going again and again and again to the judge. She goes to him in private. She goes to him in public seeking redress against her adversary. She keeps courageously demanding that justice is done. 
Now we need to see that the only hope that this woman had for getting that justice lay in the hands of the judge. Back then there were no court systems, no juries, no legal representation, no right to appeal. This desperate woman had to keep exposing herself to public shame to find this judge and plead with him. He was her only hope. Now we're not told what her dispute was about, what her adversary was doing to her. Maybe he was trying to steal her land, maybe he was trying to grab her home. But either way, this is about everyday survival. And the judge's ruling is the only means she saw for life continuing. But despite her dire need to begin with, we read that this judge completely ignores her. Her her desperate pleas meet with emphatic refusal. Because this judge is unfeeling, this judge is callous, and he is not going to be moved by this woman's plight. But eventually, after she has come again and again, again and again, morning, noon and night, he's starting to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Not out of any feeling towards her, you understand, simply because he realised that she is desperate and she might do something a little bit unpleasant, might stain his character among his peers. News of this shameful widow coming to him every night might get around. It might make him a laughing stock. He couldn't have that now, could he? And we know all this because in verses 4 and 5 we get this strange insight into his internal thought processes. He starts off by boosting his own ego and then decides to give in for the sake of a quiet life. Listen again. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. So she won't come and attack me. We need to be really clear here because this is important for the moral of the story. This judge makes the right decision for absolutely the wrong reason. Let me say that again. This judge makes the right decision for absolutely the wrong reason. He eventually concedes and helps this woman, not because he cares about her, but because he cares about himself. This widow is being a nuisance to him. He's fed up of her and he fears a public scandal. The actual original Greek of this verse says he fears her giving him a black eye. He fears this woman getting so desperate that eventually she lashes out in frustration. Just imagine a scandal. An upstanding judge being struck by a shameful woman. It is pure egotistical selfishness that makes him concede to the widow and we presume give her some semblance of justice. It is a judgment full of reluctance. This then is a short, it is a sparse, and it's a very uncomfortable parable. What are we to make of it? What is Jesus getting at here? Well, as soon as he finishes telling the story, Jesus gets us to consider the judge and he contrasts him 
to God. Verses 6 and 7 say, The Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? At first glance, then, the moral of this parable seems quite straightforward. This judge is an uncompassionate man. He has no regard for fairness. He doesn't care about protecting the poor. But on the other hand, God has shown himself throughout the centuries to be deeply concerned about the poor, to be on the side of the needy, to champion the oppressed. Just remember the lengths that he went to in the Exodus when he heard the Israelite slaves calling out for help. He parted seas to get them out of there. So if even a crotchety old Roman judge eventually acts justly despite himself, how much more will a kind, caring God do when we persevere in trusting in him. And on this reading, the parable contains a strong element of vindication. This poor widow struggling through no fault of her own is vindicated by the judge's decision. Now, if you open your Bibles and you look at the context of this parable, It's interesting to know that all the preceding verses that come before it are about the judgment that will take place when the kingdom of God arrives on earth. And then at the end of the parable in verse 8, Jesus again speaks of that judgment that will happen when Jesus returns to earth for a second time. In verse 8, Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So in this context, the moral of the parable seems quite clear. If even an unjust judge eventually responds to the needs of the oppressed, how much more will Jesus do when he comes back to earth to put it all right? Because on the day when Jesus comes, there will be no delay. There will be no constant back and forth seeking redress. God will bring justice. It will be immediate and total. The parable says it will come quickly. In an instant, God will judge those who have oppressed the needy and he will lift up the vulnerable. He will vindicate those who've been treated unfairly and lavish them with his blessing. He will honour those who have been dishonoured in life, yet those who have not given up. So if you have managed to hold on to faith in God despite awful things taking place in your life, hear this is the message of hope. God will come for you. He will bring the kingdom and you will reside with him there for eternity in fairness and equality and love and peace and goodness. And in the eternity of God's kingdom, the suffering of the present will seem like nothing to the glory that is to come. So here is hope. God is coming and he is a good judge. He is incomparably better than the judge in this story. This judge was reluctant 
But when God comes, he will be lavish. But I hear you say, is that all this parable is about? I can see that some of you are still a little bit uncomfortable about it. If I'm honest, I'm still a bit uncomfortable about it. It's all very well and good that when Jesus returns, everything's going to be put right. That's good. That gives me hope. I I will be vindicated. That pleases me. I'm looking forward to that. But surely God must realise how miserable life can be in the present. Sometimes, if we're honest, doesn't it? Life feels so overwhelming and the injustices we face so great that it is difficult to hold on knowing that one day Jesus is coming and all things will be put right. What about now? What about today? God, are you going to do something for me today? I need you today. Anybody else feel like that? Well, I think this parable has an answer to that as well. Because I think this parable has another layer of meaning to it, if we take the time to look. In verse 1, Jesus said that this parable was to encourage his followers not to give up. Well, we've talked about that. We're not to give up. He's coming back. He'll put all things right. But he also said that they were to keep praying. They are to keep praying. Looking forward to what's coming, they are to keep praying now, Jesus stresses that unlike the judge in this story, God is going to bring justice quickly. And that doesn't mean just waiting for a day in the future when Jesus comes. God will bring justice today. There is more to this parable. You see, I think the deeper level of meaning to this parable is this. If we keep going to God in prayer... He will begin to answer those prayers in surprising ways. He will even use godless, arrogant judges who don't recognize him at all to bring the relief that we need in the present. The Jews have always believed that when human beings, especially those in authority, do something that is wise, whether they recognize God or not, God is working through them. If we really believe that God is sovereign, in control of the universe that he has made, we must believe that he is able to work through the systems of the structures of the world, even if they don't know who he is. In this story, the selfish motivation of the judge didn't matter a jot to the woman. She didn't care why he gave her justice. She just cared that she got it. If we keep going to God in prayer, we will discover that God starts working behind the scenes and that he can use anybody and anything to achieve his purposes. He can even bring justice to judges like this. So we believe that God can work through governments of nations even though many politicians have no faith at all. So let's pray they do something about these energy bills and quick. We believe that God hears the prayers of the hungry and brings resources to them through groups like the Isle of Food Bank, despite most of the people on the Isle of Food Bank committee not being Christians. So let's pray for the food bank and let's pray for other organisations like it who are helping those in need. 
As Christians, we believe that God answers prayer. And he comes to the help of those in need, no matter who stands in his way. And many of us in this room have seen God do that, and we've experienced God do that. And every time we see God do this, we are experiencing a little bit of what it would be like when Jesus comes in full and puts everything right. So here then is the complete message of this parable. Jesus knew absolutely that his followers would face injustice in this world. He knew that life isn't very fair and he's concerned about it. We have the gift of prayer. God will answer prayer in a whole host of surprising and creative ways, even through arrogant rulers. God will work for good in answer to our pleas. And one day, the need for prayer will end. Because one day, Christ is coming, and he will bring complete justice. When his kingdom comes, there is nothing that any hostile ruler or judge can do about it. But the vulnerable will be lifted up, and the humble will be released. Our God is a God of compassion. Our God is a God of love and justice. He is nothing like that judge. So whatever you're facing today, throw yourself on him in prayer and never give up because he is good and he will see you through.